I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 72, we discuss Comcast and Disney fighting over Fox, which streaming provider the former head of ESPN has joined, coverage news about the English Football League playoffs and ESPN+, Plus, plus viewing numbers for El Clasico. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined today by Kartik Krishnaya. Now, Kartik, you missed last week's uh, episode of the podcast, and uh, I'm glad you're feeling better, and I'm glad you're back, because uh, it was hard work doing it all by myself. Well, uh, we appreciate the, uh, the yeoman's work you do every week and, and the extra shift, and thank you. I am feeling better and uh, ready to go for this week. So physically, Kartik, you're feeling better. Mentally, I'm not doing well. Uh, I'm not going to go into this too deep, but um, I think one of the things about relegation that a lot of uh, fans don't realize, especially for those clubs that don't go through the whole relegation battle, is that it is it's depressing. I mean, when th- this week I've I've been in a funk. I've been depressed. I mean, there's no other word for it. And it's one of those things that uh, on social media, it's it's fun to joke about. And you I mean, I got into it with Arlo White on, on Twitter a little bit this week is that uh, he was kind of saying like how funny the, the Saints tweet was about uh, kind of their review of the hotel after the whole incident. And I just kind of, uh, I mean, it, it, it struck a nerve because I said, okay, well, it's it's not funny because especially for the clubs involved in this whole relegation battle yes it's a laughing matter for if you're a neutral but when it's your club when it, you feel it it's really personal and for a lot of soccer fans uh they don't go through the experience of relegation you know i mean they're supporting clubs that have been probably in the premier league ever since it began and in the first division before that uh, so it, it's it's a weird experience for those. I mean, you, you've experienced it, right, Kartik? Uh, yeah, I've experienced it multiple times with Manchester City. A couple observations. Uh, well, first off, I, I think everybody who understands this concept can empathize with what you're going through. Uh, secondly, I thought the Southampton uh, 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 commentary to TripAdvisor or whatever site it was to was incredibly unprofessional and incredibly petulant. Uh, I, did, I didn't find it amusing at all. Honestly, and I didn't find it amusing, although this is this is part of Sparky's um, and I have a lot of respect for him as a manager. This is part of his um, M.O. is to impart a victimization complex 
in players wherever he is. And I guess Southampton felt like they had to use the tell thing and drone on about it uh, to, uh, to to maximum effect in order to to, to to push the right buttons for their for their squad. I don't think this is something Mauricio Pellegrino or Claude Puel or uh, uh, Ronald Koeman, et cetera, would have done. This is a very Sparky-esque move. Um, the third thing I'll say, Chris, is that as much as a proponent of promotion and relegation in the United States league system as I am, and I am, in fact, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm, I'm now beginning to get jaded about even watching the closed leagues in the United States because uh, there's no uh, sporting merit, there's no open system associated with the U.S. Too many of the people who advocate promotion and relegation in the United States don't support a European club that has been through this or don't support the club closely enough or, in some cases, even disengage from that club when they've been relegated. So... I don't know that they truly understand what supporters go through, what a town like Swansea is going through at this very moment, uh, and, and, and uh, understand that um, it, it's, not, it's not all glory and roses, promotion and relegation. And when, uh, when clubs get relegated, communities get affected, fans get affected, businesses get affected. There's a, there's a dark side to it. Now, I would take that over the closed league system we have in the United States, but it's not um, it's not as glorious as some of these supporters make it out to be. Yeah, Kartik, I mean, that, that was a feeling for me this week. I was like, you mean, it must feel great to be able to walk away from a club and say, you know what, I'm not going to support, support Swansea anymore. I'm going to support, I don't know. Manchester City, for lack of a better sure. better example. But, I mean, I've been a Swansea supporter my entire life. Uh, I'll be a Swansea supporter until I die. And for good or for bad, I'm always going to be there. But it hurts more. It hurts more when you're, uh, when you're out of control. You're at the mercy of your players in the club. And you're just watching it. Uh, but but the other thing too, Carter- Chris, I couldn't believe the hostility. I, I just have to ju- jump in. Sorry, because I forgot about this. The hostility I got last week when I put up a tweet about how terrible Man City's last relegation was. But at least we got King Kev, uh, Kevin Keegan, who I guess 90 percent of the people that were decided to comment and attack me on the tweet didn't under- didn't know who he was but or what I was referring to. But we got King Kev out of it and, and things worked out. But how horrible it was. And I got attacked by all these American pro-rel um, a lot of them are hipsters, uh, quite frankly, who have no idea what it's like to go through relegation. Like, well, how dare you say this and screw you and this and that. When I, I'm giving a personal experience about my club being relegated and what it felt like, um, it, it, it's unbelievable, some of these people, honestly. Hmm. Yeah, for, for me, I have uh, I have no issue with Swansea going down. I think it's, it's all based on merit. Uh, they haven't been good enough this season, and they've come close. They've done much better in the second half of the season than they did in the first. But at the end of the day, they're just not good enough. A lot of it is depth, you mean, in terms of looking at, uh, which Carl Martino did a great job for the Southampton Swansea game at halftime. Rebecca asked him, looking at, at the benches, which is the team that has the, the greater depth? And he says, there's no question about it. Southampton, they've got all, all these attacking uh, players. Swansea had one attacking player, that was Tammy Abraham, who's had a poor season since about October. Um, so, and that was the only option that Swansea had. So at the end of the day, I, I mean, I, I don't feel bad in terms of um, the way that they're going down. It's just the, the experience as a soccer fan. And for a lot of the listeners, they haven't gone through it. Uh, but some of the listeners have. And when, once you do go through the experience... You come out of it a different person, and it, it's it's it really is yeah. For all the 
the love of promotion and relegation. I love the idea and the the concept for sure. It's just as a fan, as a spectator, you, you're you mean, and, and especially you just go through it, and, and it's depressing. The other thing for me that's depressing is that in terms of just the amount of accessibility to watching the championship, yes, with ESPN Plus, you can watch what two to three games a weekend, and with iFollow, you can subscribe to it for about one hundred and forty dollars a season if your club is part of that program. Um, but it's not like having games on NBC each weekend or having NBC um, NBC Sports Gold. It's that that's another part of it too. So that that's kind of the 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 realization that you're not going to be able to watch your team as much possibly as you did before, and it's more of a um, there's a distance between the experience of you watching it. Uh, you know, you I mean there's not going to be tons and tons of people in, in bars across the, the United States watching it with you. But okay, Kartik. So let's move on from there. So that's that's my thing about Swansea. So at the end of the day, it's depressing, but it is what it is. We we, we move on. So this let's move on and talk about some other topics. And um, let's go through rather quickly, if it's all right, uh, what we've been watching this past week. Uh, anything stand out for you, Kartik? Not not really anything stood out uh, beyond uh, ESPN FC has a new studio and a, uh, a kind of it feels like a, a different format although it's not really a different format but a, a different look to it because of uh, the change of studio which uh, I, I guess was meant to coincide with the launch of ESPN Plus uh, the timing unless it's a coincidence directs uh, uh, relates directly to that also uh, watched I've, been, I've started watching Scottish football didn't really go through it. Last Last week, because obviously I, I was out sick, but uh, the last two weeks, Scottish football on Bleacher Report, and have been pleased with uh, with the accessibility of uh, Scottish football on Bleacher Report and uh, the coverage and the streams. And, and and we'll talk more about Bleacher Report later in the show. But have to say, this is a good thing for uh, the Scottish football. I'm not sure if I'm the only person who's gotten excited that uh, the, the Scottish league, which was, has not been accessible in this country uh, except sporadically for the last decade. Uh, it is uh, is now all of a sudden very uh, very available and, and, and in our face. Yeah, let me ask you one question about that, Kartik. Uh, is what do you think about the the clock that's on the screen that Bleacher Report Live uses? Uh, I'm sure you've noticed it. Yeah, I'm getting used to it. Um, it's a um it, it, it's it, the format is a the, for, the the format was first a little funky to try and adopt because it has the um, the minute in in uh, the minute stacked with the second, uh, but now that I'm used to it, I, it's actually uh, it's it's actually pretty useful. I, it's uh, it's a little bigger than the score bugs that you're accustomed to on normal broadcasts like an NBC broadcast or an ESPN broadcast, uh, but. Um, I'm now used to it. Now, the first game, which I watched on the platform, which was – it wasn't Rangers-Celtic. It was another game that weekend before Rangers-Celtic. Uh, it it, it blew, blew my mind, and I was confused, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, now uh, I'm used to it. Yeah, I thought, I thought I'd ask because for listeners who haven't had a chance to look at it or, or to check out Bleacher Report Live, uh, it has the, the Scottish Premier, Premiership uh, through the end of the season uh, for free. And then starting next season, you'll have to pay for it as well as Champions League, Europa League, etc. But the, uh, the clock is actually in a shape of a diamond. And it has like, you mean, so if it's minute 89, it's, it's, it's a large number. And then right beneath it is uh, in the seconds, kind of in a small kind of typeface. And, and for the, anyone watching a soccer game, it's kind of a different experience. It's like, I'm not sure exactly 
if they're just trying to do something different and have their own identity, maybe that's part of it. Um, in the next few weeks, I'm hoping to speak to Bleach Report Live, uh, the team, to learn more about kind of uh, their thinking. But um, but we can get more into that a little bit later in, in the next segment. But um, so you saw Partick Thistle against Ross County. Um, yeah. How's the how's the uh, the atmosphere and the crowds there for a, a Scottish Premiership match with uh, two? You mean not heavyweights by any means? Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't. Uh, it, 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 it's um, look. I think what it resembled to me. They're smaller grounds, um, and there is some energy in the ground, but it's not like um, of, of like some of the uh, intimate grounds in the English uh, Football League in, in, in League One and, and the Championship in League Two when teams are playing well. Now, it is like uh, the grounds in the Championship, which more often than not happens, like Ellen Road uh, at Leeds, when they're not pushing for promotion and the place is too big to house a team that's now a perennial Championship side. Uh, it, it felt a little like that, even though the ground was smaller. Uh, but this was an important match in, in the relegation fight uh, in Scotland. So I, I actually enjoyed it. The football uh, isn't isn't as terrible as people make out the Scottish League to be. At least that's been my impression. I've now watched three or four matches in the last two weeks. So it's not um, it's not terrible. I don't think it's a whole lot different than the Football League, although, of course, there isn't as much at stake because you're not getting to the English Premier League or to the, uh, to the Premier League, uh, what we call the Premier League. But... Um, there is, I think, some pretty good football on offing, and we're seeing, at least in terms of um, the 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 competition within that league, uh, with Aberdeen having been as good as they've been the last few years, and uh, and some Scottish players now emerging, younger Scottish players, uh, Robbo, Andrew Robertson, uh, Scott McTominay of Liverpool and Manchester United, respectively, a revitalization of the quality of Scottish players uh, ever so slowly uh, from the low point of the last uh, decade, the low point of the history of Scottish football. So um, I'm quite interested to keep an eye on the league. Obviously I, when Bleacher Report Live starts charging, I'm, I'm going to subscribe and I, I'll probably keep watching the league next season. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, probably me too. Is if I can, it, it's, it's just a matter of time, just a matter of being able to fit those games in and with the Scottish Premiership oftentimes is a game on the Friday uh, and of course, Saturday morning and Sunday morning. So um, I'll definitely try and squeeze some in there. What about some of the other matches you've watched, Kartik? Anything else stand out? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, we're still holding out hope that there would be uh, um, some sort of uh, run for Napoli in the last few uh, fixtures of Serie A. Uh, we didn't do a show last week, or I didn't do the show last week. I could, I would have spent the whole show on, <laughs> yeah, on the Juve Inter game and just the um, um, that heartbreak. For neutrals now, I, I respect their Juventus fans who are very excited about how they they've hung on and won the title this season. But I think neutrals throughout Europe uh, wanted to see Juve not win a title, and also because Napoli has played about as good football as anyone on the continent this this year. Maybe uh, Manchester City would be the uh, the other team that's been that's been really good to watch. But um, what happened in the last ten minutes? Spalletti pulling off an attacker, bringing David Santone, who was possibly responsible for both goals that were scored late by Juventus uh, with Spalletti. Spalletti's interest coach now, not Roma's coach anymore for those who don't know. Um, Inter was up 2-1, to one, 85th minute. Uh, they're down a man. Uh, Spalletti decides to pack it in. Juventus scores twice. The next 
So that um, at the point, Juventus was a point ahead of Napoli, and it looked like they were going to lose this match, and Napoli was playing Fiorentina the next game, day and could jump them. Juve wins in this dramatic fashion with two goals, one in the 89th minute and then the, the, the winner uh, by Iguain and stoppage time. The next morning, or next morning our time, Fiorentina plays uh, 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 against Napoli. Kulabai, who's been, I think, the best defender in Italian football this season, uh, gets sent off in the, in the, uh, in the eighth minute. Uh, for Napoli, and they end up losing 3-0 title over. So um, I watched Juve-Bologna this weekend with the holding out hope that uh, Juve would stumble. They didn't. Um, BN has done a good job of giving us more and more Serie A matches toward the end of the season as um, the title race has been uh, heated up. This is the first time, really, in the five years they've had the Serie A rights, or is it six years now? Six years now that uh, they have given the league this much focus. So I've enjoyed that. But, I, I, uh, but, but, but Kartik, I mean, I mean, the, the reality is, is that the reason they're giving it more focus is because the La Liga title race is over. And, correct. And, and, and that's the thing that too, that, uh, and, and PSG's title race. Is it, over. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it's to Serie A's benefit and, uh, being sports should be applauded for making sure that they're showing kind of the big matches each weekend. Um, but it's a pecking order and we know that the Serie A doesn't get as, uh, greater viewing figure uh, for next season. Will it be interesting to see where it goes to? If that goes to a Bleacher Report or an ESPN Plus or or a streaming service of of some kind? Um, but it, it's been a great title race, and it looks like uh, you know, Juve winning the Coppa Italia uh, again. They're picking up all, all the silverware, but uh, it's been an f- exciting end to the, to the season uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um but the thing I will say about this is I'm expecting a reversion to form next year on BN, uh, as you said, of, of La Liga being the priority and random, you know, Malaga versus Hatafe being on instead of the Milan Derby, for instance. I mean, the, things like that have happened for years on BN. Yep. So I'm hoping, despite how well BN did down the stretch, Serie A does have another uh, media partner in the United States next year and it's accessible and I can watch it because I have to say in spite of all the bagging on Italian football I have enjoyed that league this season and I cannot say I've enjoyed the other leagues um, again this week my, my viewing was Premier League heavy but the Premier League to me is not oh look and anytime you criticize the Premier League there's like a lynch mob on Twitter that comes after you so I guess I'm just going to stop right. uh, but I think anyone who objectively has looked at the Premier League now through 26 seasons will have to say the last two seasons have been two of the worst seasons of the league's history. And uh, you've got teams that are staying in the league. You, you, I we're just spent half, uh, the beginning of the show lamenting Swansea going down. But there are 10 teams that could have gone down this year yeah. that would have gone down uh, six, seven seasons ago in the league. So I don't think the league is very good. I think the, the Bundesliga has dropped off substantially this year. I know there's a more competitive race for the top four spots than there have been recently. But I think the league's dropped off. Uh, La Liga has been okay, but it hasn't been as good as it's been. I still think it's probably the best league in the world, but it's not as good as it's been in previous years. So I've actually enjoyed Serie A a lot this year, and I hope that next season uh, uh, somebody can can pick up the rights and market it more um, aggressively than BN has. We uh, look not trying to bag on BN. We know why uh, they. They have other priorities, and those other priorities drive better numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there's also a corporate relationship with PSG. But um, I, I think that there is a renaissance coming 
at least for club football in Italy. Uh, national team, I, I don't know, but um, I've enjoyed the season in Serie A. Yeah, it's it's still very niche, though. That that's the thing. I mean, to me, like the two uh, races that are going down to the wire uh, in in Europe are the Turkish Super League, uh, which there's a race Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Besiktas, and Istanbul going for it. And actually, being sports is showing um, a lot more of those games this weekend, and I'm sure the following weekend. So that, that so that's exciting. And then the Italian Serie A, of course, in terms of uh, you mean Juve and, and Napoli, and uh, that's been exciting. But the the vast majority of the other leagues, it's it's a one horse race. It's you know, it's uh, Barcelona, it's Manchester City, it's uh, PSG, it's Bayern Munich, and what it's turned into is that it's turned into the Champions League. Is it? And this Champions League has yeah. been more exciting in the, in the latter stages than in in a few years. Uh, but I think all the warning signs of what people have been been saying for years in terms of the way things are heading. We're there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, the Premier League, as, as one example, uh, is, is three leagues. It's, it's the, the, first, the team in first place, and then it's two through six, and then it's it basically seven through the, the bottom of the table, where any of those clubs could have... I mean, Ever, Everton was flirting with relegation. Newcastle was flirting with relegation, and all the way down. Uh, it's still exciting to me. It's not the best it's ever been by any means, but... Um, it's. I, I think it's not just the Premier League. I think it's just in terms of all, all the leagues seem to be kind of heading in this direction. All, where all these people want to argue with me about the Premier League. They, they, you can have sides like Burnley went two or two and a half months without winning a game, uh, and fantastic achievement from Sean Dyche and that side. Love that side. Uh, it's great they're going to finish seventh. They went about two and a half months without winning a league match. Leicester went until last, yesterday. Went I, I don't know how long without winning a league match and was looking completely disinterested in the. Process. Process, yet they're going to finish in the top half. Uh, Everton, we talked about how they started the season. Crystal Palace, let, let me tell you this. In, in, in the Premier League, the heyday of the Premier League, when people used to complain there was a big four, but the spots five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten were incredibly competitive, um, led by David Moyes' Everton teams that would generally finish fifth or sixth. Uh, a team like Crystal Palace would not have lost their first seven games and stayed up relatively easily. Yeah, it's Frank de Boer is it was kind of a, a memory. It seems like years ago, but he was even, of course, managing the Palace at the beginning of the season. Um, but what, what a turnaround there! But all right, Carter, let, let, if you want that kind of parody, watch MLS. Right? I mean, this is not what uh, the, the top leagues in Europe were supposed to be about. Uh, but instead, because you've got the top teams so separated from the rest of the league, it seems like everybody has regressed to a mean. Um, but then, parish, which, but then, parity is kind of boring, though, too. You know, you mean I think you need to have exactly, those, you know, exactly. That's right. my point. Yeah. So I don't, you know, the, 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 I, I don't see a whole lot of difference in watching. Now the quality is probably better, and the atmospheres are better. But there isn't a di- there isn't a huge difference now between watching uh, Stoke versus uh, West Brom, or th- that's a bad example, right? But uh, Bournemouth versus Leicester versus some of these MLS matches because it, it, it's it's just giving you kind of the similar kind of monotony and there isn't sort of uh flare stars that you would see at at the at the lesser sides Uh, even when you just a few years ago payette at west ham uh to name one example um so i I think it's uh and it's not the fault of the premier league specifically or any of these leagues it's just the way things have been going for years as champions league money and um, the elite clubs have continued to to separate themselves from the, the bodies of their domestic leagues. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah. I think I think that might be a good topic for a future podcast too, Kartik, to dive uh, even deeper into this one because uh, there's you know, money where the money goes is oftentimes where the players go. The players will want to stay at, at kind of the upper clubs to to play in the Champions League, to play play in the, on that stage, um, and oftentimes whether it's the scouting or, or kind of uh, talent recruitment is it, better at those clubs too, just for the backroom staff. Or live in uh, London, Madrid, Milan, the the, the, the glamorous cities. So right. uh, that's another problem. Uh, we could get into this in another podcast, but there's so much criticism of Man City spending, Man United spending, Everton spending now has become uh, it's come under the uh, focal lens in the last six months. Uh, Liverpool obviously spends a lot of money. I think those four clubs in particular have to spend more money than the London clubs, the clubs they're competing with. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is uh, and can't charge as much for tickets as the London clubs. That's something that is not thought about by so many American fans of the Premier League who then pile on me when I make these kind of nuanced critiques but you can't charge as much for tickets if you're Everton as you as you as you can if you're Arsenal yet Everton is having to spend more money to attract players to live in Liverpool than Arsenal would to live in North London it's uh it's something's I think going to have to be done eventually about this mm-hmm. So, so I'm just going to jump around a little bit here to Kartik. So some of the other games I watched uh, this past uh, week was uh, I watched the French Cup final, at least the last 20 minutes of it, was uh, PSG against uh, Le Herbier. And uh, they were third tier, I believe, in France. So, like a really incredible story, making it always the French Cup final and PSG winning it 2-0. Um, one of the goals was a penalty scored in, in the latter stages of the match. Uh, Phil Shane and Matteo Bonetti uh, commentating that one. And uh, it was a great occasion. Um, I, I enjoyed it uh, from, from what I saw of it. The, uh, the Swansea-Southampton game, I thought it was a little bit strange having um, Mark Clattenburg in the studio. It wasn't strange having him in the studio, but uh, Rebecca was asking him about analysis about the incident uh, with Buffon uh, from the Real Madrid-Juventus uh, semi-final. And that game just seems like so long ago now. It seems kind of out of the... It was interesting to hear what he had to say. But that, I mean, with a game having been played, what, a few weeks ago, it seems to be kind of we've moved on from there. Uh, Neil Ashton again, pre-match, uh, giving his uh, insight is always uh, always beneficial. Always get something out of uh, Neil Ashton's reports. Uh, and again, like I said before, too, some some good analysis by Carl Martino. Uh, so the little bits and pieces of the um, New York Red Bulls against NYC FC, uh, really one-sided match. Uh, yeah. d- didn't watch the whole thing and kind of turned that one off. And um, the Brighton Man United game on on Friday. It was hard to believe that this is the second best team in the Premier League. Uh, going back to what you've been saying about uh, kind of a, a tough season for the Premier League, but Manchester United were just extremely poor. Having said that, Brighton's a good team, and Chris Hutton has them re- organised really well. Um, they're by no means uh, a weak team. They're actually playing together really, really well as a unit. But still, you would think that Man United would put on a better performance than that. Anything else, Kartik, that stood out before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched out a couple of uh, bits and pieces of LAFC games. Uh, there was a lot of controversy about LAFC not selling out this match against us on Saturday. I thought the atmosphere was still pretty good. So um, that atmosphere hasn't dropped off yet, but they're not. Um, they're certainly not a a um, ticket selling juggernaut like Atlanta was last year. And I, I think this is this is the dilemma for MLS, again, in your elite markets, in your New Yorks, your, your Los Angeleses. Uh, you can only uh, you can only hype something so much. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how that that plays out, especially with uh, 
some of the talk of uh, some notable MLS signings this summer of what people would say are quote washed up European players, uh, but uh, guys that uh, I, I think certainly can move the needle in terms of media interest in, in Wayne Rooney and, and Fernando Torres. Yeah, I, I disagree with that though, Kartik. I, I mean, it's I think move the needle for maybe one or two games, and then that's about it. I don't think that's going to be a long, a long. No, it, it, answer. It, it, nothing's worked. Nothing's worked. Yeah. So um, I know there's uh, people out there who who like to criticize World Soccer Talk for uh, our uh, our uh, analysis of te- of the television numbers in MLS. The needle hasn't really moved if you consider MLS is consistently expanding. So uh, yeah, the television rating there are more raw viewers for MLS games on uh, FS1 and ESPN now than there were when there were 16 teams of the league, right? <laughs> with, with 23 teams. But um, they're, they're going into, into larger markets like Philly, second team in LA, second team in New York, hasn't moved the needle. Atlanta hasn't moved the needle the way I think the marketing execs thought it would. And so they, they they shifted from a model of, of signing a lot of older European players to younger Latin American players. That's improved the level of competition and the quality of play in MLS. No question about that. But now I, I think we're seeing as teams are trying to, to make a splash again, uh, going back. Zlatan may have been the, the harbinger of a new trend. Now we're, we're seeing Rooney to, to, to DC United as they try and open their new stadium with a big star. And then uh, Torres potentially to Montreal. Yeah, yeah. It, to me, it's a little bit lazy from the the owners uh, in terms of. I mean, for DC United, they're not a very good team by any means. Uh, you would expect them to kind of invest more in promising youngsters or promising uh, uh, players from South America, but rather than they're, they're going for the Wayne Rooney, which is going to be pull them in, um, instant star. I mean, um, it'll sell season tickets. It'll it'll help for the first few weeks of the season, but then but then what though? But uh, we'll get into the, into the MLS TV ratings in a little bit, actually. Some, actually, some positive num- numbers from this past weekend. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. All right, Kartik, uh, let's move on to TV streaming news and, and some, some big news that could have some massive implications for soccer fans in the United States. Yeah, this is uh, watch this space. I mean, there might be more that comes out even before you listen to this podcast. Uh, Comcast, the parent company of NBC Sports, is launching a bid to acquire 21st Century Fox, which includes Fox Sports. Uh, Comcast is planning a $60 billion all cash bid to top. Walt Disney on its deal to acquire most of 21st Century Fox. Fox's assets, uh, of most of 21st Century Fox's assets, if the U.S. government approves AT&T's acquisition of Time Warner, so there's more media consolidation going on. Um, Comcast would also acquire 100% of UK satellite TV provider Sky as part of the deal, whose total value could be close to uh, $100 billion. And uh, Sky's board, by the way, um, has withdrawn its recommendation of the sale to Disney uh, in lieu of this uh, this bid. So that, that that's pretty important, too. That's just developed, happened in the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, watch this space. Yeah, so we talked about this one two weeks ago, Carter, because you and I were talking about uh, Fox's uh, World Cup commentary team, and we were wondering why this move to have some some B-level commentators. Why why not go out and have these? I mean, there's some, there's definitely A-level talent in there too, but why not have them go out to Russia, commentate the games from there? And you and I both said that there's got, there's got to be something to this because whether it's Fox trying to clean up their books and keep it uh, keep uh, costs down. 
something's going on. And, and I think last week or days ago, we found out about this story here about Comcast. It's uh, wow, Kartik. This, I mean, it's it's scary in many ways, though, too, because yes, Comcast owns uh, NBC Sports as well as a ton of other um, media networks, etc. But Comcast is an ISP. It's an internet service provider. It's also a cable company, and it's also a media company. So if Comcast was able to acquire Fox Sports, uh, well, 21st Century Fox, uh, their empire would be incredibly massive. But it's scary because I mean, if, if Comcast can control the ISP, I mean, your internet service, uh, as well as the cable distribution, it could really go ahead and, and monopolize this whole this whole environment in terms of sports TV rights and say that, okay, in order to watch uh, whatever whatever sports it is, in, in soccer, if it's, say, the Champions League and, and uh, the World Cup, it's only available through, you mean, through a... Um, exclusive um it's only available through cable you have to have a authentication through there and if you're a comcast subscriber uh you mean here's all the benefits of that i don't know it's uh it could end up being a good thing in some ways i mean if uh, if comcast was able to acquire fox sports and fox uh they could maybe try to see put their identity on on fox's coverage of soccer in the future um that you know, we, we won't know uh, at this point, and they probably don't know that either. But if this does go through, this is going to have some huge implications. Um, it makes you wonder, Kartik, whether or not the AT&T acquisition of Time Warner would go through. Because if if that does go through, this opens up uh, a whole can of worms, really. Yeah, I, I, this media consolidation I'm generally not in favor of. Uh, but again, if they allow Time Warner to merge with AT&T, AT&T to buy Time Warner, then you almost have to let Comcast uh, uh, merge or, or acquire 21st Century Fox. You have to approve that. And you get into this kind of slippery slope of uh, these media companies controlling. It'll be the same deal with AT&T. They're an ISP. Uh, they, 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 they provide content. If they buy Time Warner. They'll own all these cable systems at satellite providers uh it's the uh and 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 actual programming same thing with comcast so it's a dangerous place to be um and there is no cost savings it seems to consumers with all these uh these these things happening but um well that's the thing though right because at the end of the day for consumers what what does it how's it going to impact us and it's probably going to mean most probably is our rates will go up you mean if you want uh if you're a comcast subscriber your rates are going up because now they offer you mean all of these channels and all of this access to all this great content and there's all the streaming and video on demand and and the, the the rates go up because there's less competition out there uh, I mean, and, and actually, Kartik, on, on last week's podcast, we talked about Comcast's new policy, uh, which does which does have a bearing on this, is that uh, if you want to get the highest internet speeds through Comcast, you have to be a, ta- uh, a TV subscriber. So if you wanted to go just just through Comcast just to get internet, you can't get the full the, the full high speed. You would you would get kind of a a throttled uh, speed. Is it also true that Comcast is harassing people uh, if uh, they're using most of their data to upgrade their data plan? 
I've heard uh, that I, I have not heard. about that. That uh, and, and and that would be for people particularly who who cut the cord and are streaming a lot of programming. Yeah, so I guess you have to be a TV subscriber to get the higher thing, and so they're harassing people. That that actually makes sense. So maybe that that puts more context on what I've been hearing. But right. it's all now. I know people love to complain about their cable companies and their internet service providers. So I take some of it when people complain about uh, Directv, which is AT and and uh, Comcast with a grain of salt, but I'm hearing a lot of complaints about Comcast just in general. <laughs> yeah, for, for decades though, Kartik. I mean, it's been this. I, I mean, I, I had Comcast for probably about ten years, fifteen years, and cut the cord about what a year and a half ago now, or maybe a year ago, and haven't missed it one bit. But um, but I wouldn't say harassing, maybe pressuring customers yeah. into doing those things. But uh, yeah, watch this space. That's going to be. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it could mean that NBC Sports could end up producing the World Cups in 2022 and 2026 uh, or, or kind of producing it for Fox Sports uh, or it could mean that um, you mean Fox Sports FS1 and FS2 rebrands as NBC1 and NBC2 I mean who, the, the implications and, and the, the changes that could happen could be massive um, and they could all not be good I mean it, it's quite possible now, moving on, Kartik, the lineup of commentators for the world feed of the 2018 FIFA World Cup has been finalized. They will feature Ian Dark, Peter Drury, John Roder, Kevin Keatins, Paul Dempsey, our old friend, uh, Daniel Mann, Mark Tompkins, and John Helm. So this is for the world feed. And uh, for us in the United States, we will not be able to hear any of these commentators because we will have... Fox's uh, commentators, mostly out of the LA studio, uh, calling the games off the monitors, uh, as well as the Telemundo uh, commentators, including Andres Cantor in Spanish language. But uh, for some countries, if you're lucky enough, probably in Canada and, and, and other countries in, around the world where you just get the world feed, that's great. Ian Dark, Peter Drury and others. Wow, that's uh, that's a, a, a lineup of heavy hitters, and those are the, the voices we're used to hearing on uh, world feed of Premier League broadcasts and of Bundesliga broadcasts. So those same same uh, commentators. Yep. All right, Kartik. So what's uh, we talked about this a little bit already, but uh, any other thoughts in terms of your first impressions of uh, Bleacher Report Live? Yeah, let's contrast it with ESPN Plus. I know ESPN Plus is a lot more programming, and you have to look and search and dig for some of the stuff with ESPN Plus. I mean, the MLS Live stuff is featured prominently. But um, I've now tried to watch ESPN FC multiple times at 6 o'clock when it's being aired live and have not been able to find the link and have had to wait an hour or two, uh, more than an hour, actually more like two hours for it to be on demand and then have found the, 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 the thumbnail and have been able to click on it. So even though ESPN FC is, quote, live on ESPN Plus, I've had trouble accessing it. Maybe it's just my fault. Um, but I'm having to search to find the live feed of it. Um, and, um, and and the on-demand pops up later. Uh, if you want to find... Uh, you, the USL matches or the uh, football league matches, you have to dig. And generally um, things are, um, are, are, are kind of put in, in terms of prominence as far as I think general sports audiences, um, even though it does know my preferences and, and um, at times soccer stuff will pop up, but I've had to do a lot of searching. I'm getting more used to it on ESPN plus. It's been a couple of weeks now, but um 
let's contrast that with Bleacher Report for a minute, Chris. I, again, maybe it's because of a lack of content on Bleacher Report. But if I – we talked about the Scottish uh, uh, f- uh, premiership. That stuff pops up right at the top of my Bleacher Report. I open Bleacher Report live. It's there. And it's, uh, and it's not just there when it's live. It's there uh, – today on Thursday, I, I, if I open Bleacher Report live, it'll show me, hey, Friday, 2.45 p.m. Eastern time, um, this, this Scottish match or this Polish match. Uh, there's a couple other soccer things that have popped up. And it seems like if I open Bleacher Report live, it's, one, giving me um, – right away um the soccer content because it's 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 logged that that's what um I, i'm logging on for and two it's the news feed is pertinent to me whereas on espn you, you have to cl- click on this on all these tabs now that having been said the layout for espn looks more graphically uh pleasing it's uh you know it's done with the kind of espn style which I, I, I think from a production standpoint, we all, we all believe is, or many of us believe is as good as it gets. Uh, but, um, and maybe it's just because they have so much content and organizing so much content is, is, is difficult. But, uh, my first impressions are Bleacher Report Live, uh, I've liked and, and, uh, has been very convenient for me. And then the other point was the score bug. You mentioned it, the, the diamond, uh, with, uh, 89 will be in big, big, uh, font. And then you'll have like 45 and, small font and it's stacked. I've gotten used to that. And um, even to the point where, because you're watching on devices, on, uh, on on smaller devices, you're not watching on a TV, you're watching on your your laptop or on your tablet, or in some cases, maybe even your phone. Uh, I like having, I know what minute it is, right? In uh, the ESPN or NBC Sports Gold stuff, you have to squint to see what minute it is often. And, and, and a lot of times I, I see 60, 69 and I think it's 64, that sort of thing. So yeah. there's no confusion there. Um, so, so far so good for Bleacher Report. And obviously uh, uh, we're going to be watching a lot of it next year because they're going to have the Champions League and, and Europa League. Yeah, so, so Bleacher Report Live is free right now until, I, I believe, either the end of May or the end of June. So if you do want to check it out, I mean, it, again, as Kotick says, it doesn't have a lot of rights right now, but uh, at least if you want to get comfortable with it and kind of uh, see all the, the features and benefits, uh, check that out. And then ESPN uh, Plus is, what, $5 a month, and uh, I think it offers, I think, a seven-day trial. Um, so you can go ahead and take a look at that. And uh, for me personally, I'm going to subscribe to ESPN+, Plus. I think, as we get closer to the uh, the championship uh, playoff final and probably semifinals, so I can kind of, uh, when they have time to watch those games, uh, that's something I'm going to kind of check out that service at that time. All right, Kartik, speaking of ESPN, or at least related to ESPN, a Perform Group, has announced the appointment of John Skipper as executive chairman. Uh, Skipper previously served as president of ESPN for a n- number of years, where actually where he worked for 20 years across all areas of the business. Now, this is a, qu- a quote from um, the CEO of Perform, which for those listeners who don't uh, know, Perform is a, a massive uh, digital company. Um, they, they actually run uh, Fox Soccer Match Pass, but also they run a lot of the streaming uh, services for a lot of networks and club teams and, and actually a lot of the websites in the United Kingdom. And the quote is from the, the CEO of Perform. He says, Perform is rapidly expanding its role in sports media with significant investments in the best content and our own platform. We are now preparing to push forward with the expansion of DAZN, our live and on-demand streaming service in more major markets around the world. 
Uh, DAZN is revolutionizing how fans watch their favorite sports. John is one of the most significant leaders in, in the history of our industry, and I am delighted that he's agreed to join me and the team to help take perform to the next level of our ambitions. Now, it's important to say that, um, to mention that John Skipper's a huge soccer fan. Uh, he's a Tottenham Hotspur supporter, but uh, don't hold that against him. But, but he's a soccer fan, so he, he knows the business. DAZN hasn't officially launched in the United States yet, but we've, we've been talking about you mean, the rights for Serie A and FA Cup and a lot of these other leagues. DAZN quite could possibly be one of those uh, streaming providers that do acquire the rights to that. That's where everything's heading, from the Bleacher Report Lives, the ESPN Pluses, to uh, DAZN, and, uh, and Go19, and many other streaming services. Uh, I think more and more soccer is going to end up on those places, which is some good things, some bad things about that. But uh, and, and this is another one of those Kartik, uh, watch this, watch this space because uh, I'm sure we're going to get some um, some big news in the coming months. Yeah, Perform is quite a player if you're into the kind of administration of uh, soccer and, and and software websites. They've they've been a player for a number of years, becoming a bigger player. So uh, good to see John Skipper land there. Uh, moving on, the Copa America 2019, as I'm sure many of our listeners noticed, will not have the U.S. or Mexico, more significantly Mexico. Uh, the impact for me on TV ratings and the rights fee here in the United States, a, I, I don't want to say catastrophic, and I know when you have these conversations in Miami, it's different than in the rest of the country. People in Miami tell me, oh, but people love watching Argentina and Brazil. And and um, and, and obviously there's a huge Colombian community throughout South Florida. Um, but I, I, I just don't think it's a it's a tournament that's uh, that, that that's terribly attractive for American audiences without Mexico in it. That's just that's my opinion. That's based on seeing the, uh, the the television ratings through a number of years. Now, in, in fairness, the Euros do quite well on American television without any, quote, native team. So maybe Copa will do okay, but I think it's a pretty big blow uh, for the tournament uh, and the television rights in this country to not have Mexico in it. Yeah, two things about this. One is I think a lot of it depends on the World Cup this summer. So if you've got a Brazil or you mean Argentina or somebody that wins the tournament, then all of a sudden the Copa America 2019 TV rights become a lot more attractive. Uh, you mean seeing the World Cup champions now playing in, in their, um, their regional tournament. Uh, and the second thing is this one to me feels like, it, again, it's a good fit for being sports. I mean, being sports has had Copa Americas in the past before uh, where there's been no Mexico and no United States. Well, actually, no United States at least. But yeah. but to me, it's um, it's a good fit for them. Now, you mean the uh, the rights holder, MP and Silver, might be thinking, okay, this needs to be a Univision, this needs to be a Telemundo or a Fox Deportes type, type of level. But... Um, that's but if, that's the comfort level I'm thinking of as, as a being sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that if you don't have Mexico in the tournament, it's difficult. Uh, look, the U.S. I know this is the United States, but I don't think the U.S. national team really moves the needle uh, unless they're they're uber successful. Uh, Mexico will always move the needle. I I, I think it's. Um, it's tough to get a Univision or a Telemundo interested uh, to tie up primetime programming on weeknights uh, if Mexico is not in the tournament. So uh, maybe Univision Deportes or Telemundo sticks it on Universo. Uh, but if you're going to do that, you might as well go to BN unless the rights fee is higher. Uh, but for me, it's just it's a body blow not having Mexico in the tournament. 
All right, uh, just a couple more items to go in our news se- section. And uh, the first one is that Andres Cantor has won his fifth sports Emmy for an outstanding on-air sports personality in Spanish at the 39th Annual Sports Emmy Awards for his work with Telemundo Deportes. Uh, this is the fifth Emmy that went to Cantor after calling the final d- match day of the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, where he called three matches simultaneously. Yeah, and I got to watch it. I actually watched uh, the final CONCACAF match day on Telemundo. It was amazing. All right, Kartik, so one last news item here. Yeah, so ESPN Plus, which we talked about $5 a month, uh, will showcase all playoff matches in the English Football League's top three divisions, the championship, EFL League 1 and EFL League 2, beginning with the semifinal round, uh, which is actually today as we record, Thursday, May 10th, through uh, Friday, May 18th. The four teams in each of the three divisions are competing for the remaining promotion spot in their respective divisions. At the, comp- at the completion of each English football season, Three teams are promoted from the championship to the Premier League and from EFL League One to the championship. The top two teams on the league table gain automatic promotion, while uh, the remaining four um, number uh, teams, three through six in the standings, compete in, in the playoffs. Uh, and it's a thrilling experience for the winning for the fans of the winning teams. It's just a thrill in general. And of course, uh, uh, ESPN Plus uh, is going to be your home for the football league next season too. So maybe if you're a fan of lower division soccer in England, subscribe now. Yeah, this is huge because uh, in the past, whether it's uh, being sports or ESPN3 at some stages too, uh, we would not have every single one of these football league playoff games. We would often have the championship, yes, definitely. League one, most of the times. League two, very rarely. Very so rarely. every single game, uh, and, and we have the, the, the full schedule too at uh, worldsoccertalk.com under the championship uh, TV schedule. And you can see all the listings and the times and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's, this is going to be good. I mean, this is definitely, um, for me, it's one of the exciting times of the season. I really enjoy the whole experience of, of watching these teams battle out to see if they can make it to Wembley and make it all the way to uh, to getting promoted to, to the next level. So, yeah, good news uh, from ESPN Plus there. All right, moving on to TV ratings, Kartik. Uh, two whopping numbers uh, this week, and that was uh, for, for, for games played this past week. The first one is 1.5 million for uh, Pumas against Club America on Univision, and this was on Wednesday, May 2nd. So this is last week for the... Uh, it was at, uh, yeah, the uh, Ligia uh, tournament, kind of the end-of-season tournament there. And uh, we'll have to wait and see kind of what the, uh, the weekend numbers are for that one too. But uh, so, some big numbers there for uh, Club America. And then you had the 1.4 million for El Clasico, uh, Barcelona-Real Madrid on BN Sports and BN Sports en Español. Uh, the Spanish number for this one, the, the uh, BN Sports en Español, was over a million. And then the number for uh, BN Sports, uh, the English language channel, was, I believe, just, just under 400,000 there. So some decent numbers. Um, and it helps, too, that uh, it was a 2.45 kickoff on Sunday. Uh, and even though you mean even though Real Madrid was out of the race uh, well before this match, still still decent numbers, still really impressive numbers, I think, Kartik. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, great numbers uh, for the El Clasico. Uh, I had less interest in it, quite frankly, because again, to me, it was a dead rubber. Uh, but uh, yeah, same uh, here. 
yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'll admit I didn't watch it, which uh, uh, they, you know, it was blasphemy for a lot of people. But I did. I, there were there were games in Italy going on, and uh, well, actually, it was Sunday. I, I can't remember. I watched. Uh, oh, I was watching the, the the Premier League download shows on NBC. Actually, on NBCSN, which were running simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't have that much interest this time because I did think it was a dead rubber. But of course, obviously, I've gone back and seen all the clips and. The, the subsequent analysis, uh, but some some decent numbers this week, uh, obviously, uh, it, it, and uh, uh, better numbers for MLS this week than the previous few uh, few weeks. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the Dallas LA Galaxy game was uh, three hundred eighty four thousand viewers on Univision's channels, uh, which is a great number. Uh, the the New York derby between uh, the Red Bulls and NYCFC had three hundred thirty four thousand uh, viewers on ESPN. Uh, FS1. I turned off after uh, 15 yeah. minutes. So <laughs> one-sided. So yeah. I, I may not have counted in that number. Right, right. Same with me. And then uh, I, I don't think it, FS1 had a game this past weekend, uh, which is good for FS1 because their numbers have been poor for Major League Soccer. But uh, all in all, um, some a good weekend for Major League Soccer there. Moving on to listener mail, mailbag, uh, just one comment this week, and this is from Shai. Uh, he sent this in through email, um, and he says, as always, love the pod and appreciate all you do. What can you tell us about the different payment options for the individual streaming services? For example, with Sling TV, you can only use a U.S. credit card options for payment, while on DirecTV now, there is the option of PayPal, which allows you to use several types of payment options to have in an account. Therefore, that makes the service more accessible to more users. Do you know how these different payment options are contracted and or why the services would elect one over the, the other? Um, this does influence who is allowed access, so I thought I would ask. So, Shai, I, I don't know the, the specific answers to those questions, but I, I can say that, for example, with Sling TV, uh, making sure that you have a U.S. credit card or a credit card that that's uh, you mean registered in the United States. That's really to ensure that um, that you don't have people from overseas. Um, say, say say you're from England and you want to go ahead and uh, watch games uh, using Sling TV. I mean all the games. I mean all the Premier League games. All the games that you don't have access to in the UK, and you're using a, a UK password, but then you're using a a, a VPN like a virtual pr- uh, private network to um, to appear that you're actually accessing Sling TV through the US. Now, if you use a UK pass, um, a credit card, that will red flag and say, okay, you mean, give you an error message. So I think that's one of the main major reasons why the Sling TV wants it to be a, a credit card that's registered in the US, um, as well as making sure that you're accessing the site from the US to ensure that people from outside of the US cannot access it because they don't have the rights to it. Um, and they could get in, into a lot of trouble for that. Uh, now, DirecTV Now, like you mentioned, has uh, the option of PayPal. Uh, so they're probably taking a little bit of a risk there in terms of um, maybe it's you mean maybe it's easier if, if you have a PayPal address uh, to be outside of the country and use a VPN and still watch the programming. I, I think it comes down to that more than anything. It's not in terms of um, which payment options are the best, but which ones are the most secure and also uh, ensuring that uh, people can only access the content that they're allowed to access. I think, I think that comes down to, to the major reason why uh, those things are the way they are. 
So, if listeners, if you do, if you want any advice on anything uh, in regards to watching soccer, and uh, or if you have any questions or any feedback, or uh, if you disagree with us about anything vehemently or, or agree with anything too, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post comments on the website, worldsoccertalk.com. Now, Kartik, uh, where can listeners find you on Twitter if they want to find out what you're up to and some of your comments about uh, how poor the Premier League is? <laughs> KKFLA737 on Twitter. And yes, I, I think I'm backing off that whole Premier League thing because anytime you criticize the Premier League, it's like uh, a lynch mob comes and attacks you. And they all also point out how terrible La Liga and the Bundesliga are compared to the Premier League, which clearly indicates to me they're not watching those leagues. But okay, anyway, you guys have won the debate. KKFLA737 on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. to me, the Premier League is like my favorite uh, girlfriend. It's someone that I've known for many, many years. Uh, I remember when she was she was great she was she was hot she was wonderful <laughs> and, and and now she's getting a little bit older and uh she's still fun she's still wonderful but uh she's not as perfect as she used to be yeah uh, that's my analogy too it is my favorite league and i keep pointing out to people i watch far more premier league than all these other leagues but uh i haven't shut my mind up and, and bought into all the kind of media propaganda that this is the greatest show on earth when i flip on a random la liga game and the touches are better and the tactics are better and uh, there aren't all these bad giveaways in midfield. So anyway, uh, discussion for another time. I'm tired of it, actually. <laughs> yeah, for me for me personally, I, I'm just enjoying as much soccer as I can watch and I'm flipping back and forth between a whole bunch of different leagues and a whole bunch of different games. And if it's good, great. Uh, if not, I'll move on to another game. And that's the, that's the great beauty of this is that we have more access and more choices than ever before and uh, i love it even though i'm depressed (laughs) about my team i love it all right well thank you for listening you can get a new episode of the world soccer talk podcast every thursday every episode is released on soundcloud youtube stitcher itunes TuneIn, audio boom and worldsoccertalk.com also, if you are a Google Assistant or Google Home user, you can say, hey, Google, play the World Soccer Talk podcast, and it will play. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. In Kartik, going into the final weekend of the Premier League, as well as some of the final weekends of some of the other leagues and wrapping up some of the other stages, uh, what should they do this weekend? Enjoy your football.